Um, the title of today's class, uh, and it's a shame Paula's not here this morning. Um, when you see her, ask her where she was. Um, it's a shame Paula's not here this morning. Um, Helplessly Hoping uh, is, is the name of uh, the class today. Anybody remember, does that ring any bells? Um, Helplessly Hoping? Think a, think, yeah, think alliteration. Anybody, anyone? Yeah. Her Harlequin hovers nearby. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So, anyway, yeah. Uh, can't believe y'all didn't. Can't believe that one just didn't pop. It's not on your. It's not on your playlist. Um, I take it. So anyway, um, help. Yeah, helplessly, helplessly. The reason, and um, I, it's fine. I just I remember I, um, I, I listened to that album a ton. Uh, in high school, you know, good old vinyl, um, and um, actually have it on my uh, on my iPod now. I just recently got it again. Of course, all my old albums are um, uh, are gone. Anybody still have your albums? Um, some of them, yeah, mine are mine are mine are long gone. So anyway, it's all on our handy dandy phones um, now. So, but anyway, just but helplessly hoping. The reason I share that, I'm just making fun to some degree of with Paula. She was um, the other night we were. We were talking uh, just, you know, all the various challenges of life when you're just life in general and and three kids and, you know, anxiety about them and and who's who's being left out and who's not being left out and just all those things that just um, tear you up and the things that you pray for and pray for and pray for. And it seems like, you know, well, God, you must want me to pray for something else because that just doesn't seem to be. You know, we've been offering up these same prayers for how many years now, and, and you know, the answer is not seeming to come, so I guess I'm praying um, for the wrong things. So anyway, Paul had all these great questions, and I had no I had no answers. Um, uh, so anyway, she was helplessly hoping, and I was just like, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, honey, I love you. It's a great question. Um, so she was... Um, yeah, she was looking for more answers. So I was hoping, yeah, she could be here today, maybe to find some more answers. What I want to invite you along with me to do today is is this. I wanted us to um, reflect some, to take off some on today's gospel, as a matter of fact. And, and if you'll turn to Mark chapter 10, we're going to be bouncing around uh, in that this morning, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 10. And, and as we do so, um, I guess... Uh, I guess a couple of different things. Um, one is by way of, um, I guess by way of disclosure, um, as, as, as we begin this morning, is I, I do think, you know, in our lives we're, we're, we're hoping for many things. Um, and, and of course, um, sometimes we, we seemingly experience answer to our prayers, and sometimes those prayers, it seems like, you know, we continue to offer those day after day. And, uh, and, and, and year uh, and year after year, and I guess a couple of different things I hope for us to reflect on. See, to some degree, what is being expressed here by Jesus in Mark's gospel, the ways in which um, it wonderfully affects yours uh, and my lives, and, and ultimately um, uh, to hold out the hope which is made available to us in the gospel. Um, that that though there is um, very definitely the the reality of suffering, the reality of trials, the reality of, of challenges, that ultimately the, the assurance for us is, is one of hope. Um, the assurance is one of hope. And, and the reality, too, um, that, that things can be different um, is, is something I want to say as well. Let's say I, I don't want to be um, Pollyanna 
uh, and pretend as if, you know, hey, I've got all your, I've got all your questions answered um, this morning and, and, and we'll leave here free of any anxiety um, or, or discouragement this morning. Um, however, at the same time, when the reality is in the gospel that, that God has profoundly good news for you and for me uh, and, that, and that things were not stuck, um, things aren't stuck and that things um, can be different. Uh, and of course, the challenge is for us, um, God's timetable and our timetable often seem to be very different, um, but, but the God is alive and at work. A um, couple of things about um, the gospel. I guess a couple of questions for us is, was everyone at the 9? Anyone going to the 11 today? Has everyone just, what's that? Oh, good. Okay. So well, let me read the gospel. The only reason I say that is, um, and I, I'll read to you the gospel, and then uh, I want to look at it more a little bit in context as well. Not just the portion, but it's a story about Jesus healing um, blind Bartimaeus. Uh, and one of the things that, that Deborah actually alluded to in her sermon, Bar um, actually means, this is kind of a little tidbit, um, Bar means son of. So Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Uh, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Bar. Uh, just like when Jesus says, you know, Simon Bar Jonah, um, you know, uh, Simon, son of, um, son of Jonah. So anyway, um, I don't know, that... That may come in useful um, if you're ever in a trivia, um, crossword puzzles. I don't know. Bar is son of. So now you now you have that in your repertoire. Uh, so we hear about Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples uh, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. That's the, that's the portion um, that, we've, that we've heard from this morning. Let me just say a couple of things by way of, of, of context because it's important to our um, understanding this. Um, and, and also one of the things we'll look at a little bit this morning as well is there's, there's a number of distinctive themes that run throughout Mark's gospel, and a number of those are, are, are represented in this little portion that we've read um, this morning. And, and some of the distinctive themes uh, you know, in Mark's gospel, um, among others, you know, one is the whole idea of the journey. Um, the journey is something which is, which is the theme which runs through um, Mark's gospel. Another um, theme that runs through Mark's gospel um, is, is the Gentiles, and it's often... Um, interestingly, and, and that kind of in some ways fits in with the whole theme of insiders, outsiders. And one of the things that's kind of interesting uh, in this and, and otherwise, we see Jesus' concern um, for the outsider. Um, but also, not only do we see Jesus' concern for the outsider, but it's often the outsiders that understand it more clearly, um, quicker than the insiders. Those that are on the inside that supposedly have all the advantages of understandings uh, are, are often, you know, one, I'm the last to see, um, and, and two, I'm the most resistant 
Uh, and, and we see that actually in, in the disciples as well. They're, they're often um, the folks, and I, you all may have heard me say this before, um, I find this tremendously encouraging to people like you and me. Um, because one of the things uh, also um, that's a big distinctive theme in Mark's gospel is that of discipleship. Uh, and, and one of the things that's really pointed out when we think about discipleship, um, let me ask you this. That's a word which is, um, I don't know, it's a word I guess I would say in some ways with a lot of baggage. Um, <laughs> I guess one word doesn't have baggage. But anyway, uh, it's a word with a lot of baggage. When I, when I say disciple, what... Anyone, what does that make you think of? An evangelist. An evangelist? Okay, yeah, sure. Definitely. Someone 100% devoted to Yeah, 100% devoted. Focused. Yeah, focused, devoted. <laughs> you know, they're, um, they, they, they've made the commitment they're in. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Uh, any, anyone else? Yeah, follower. Exactly. Sure. One of the one of the great things um, which I find enormously encouraging, because yeah, when, when we hear about discipleship, to some degree, you think about yeah, being being devoted, being in, being a follower uh, of Jesus, trying to emulate our life uh, on the life of Jesus, trying to be um, trying to be more like Him. Uh, but one of the great things that we see in Mark's gospel, and again, I feel, I find this tremendously encouraging to a guy like myself, is um, Particularly, too, uh, as I share, Paul asking me all these questions, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I wish I had more for you. Um, I wish I had more for you right now. And one of the things that we see in Mark's gospel is discipleship is defined as proximity to Jesus. Uh, and, and the reason that that's, uh, that's so encouraging um, is, is this. And you look in different portions, you know, it's, it's, it's being with Jesus. It's sitting around with him. It's hearing him. It's following him. On the way, one of the big things that it points out about discipleship, and we see this in his followers, discipleship doesn't necessarily mean, um, well, in fact, it doesn't mean complete understanding. Um, and, and, and I think that's one of the things where discipleship sometimes can have a certain amount of baggage. It's like, well, you know, you're supposed to have it together if you're a disciple. Um, you're supposed to know. Um, you're, you're not supposed to falter. Um, you're not supposed to fall short. You're, you're not supposed to be tentative or hesitate or, or, or doubt or wrestle or, or anything like that. I mean, it, it, in some degree, it's kind of a paradox because it does say, you know what, disciples are those that are that are in um, and, and that are following along the way. But one of the things that's clear, Mark's gospel, they're doing it very imperfectly. Uh, and oftentimes, a, a commitment precedes an understanding. Um, a commitment precedes understanding. When, when I asked Paula um, to marry me, um, there's a, there's, you know, there's a lot I didn't understand. Um, so uh, there's a lot I didn't recognize, but it's kind of like, you know, and, and some of the reasons I could have defined, you know, why I wanted to marry her and all that kind of good stuff. But some of you it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine not being with her. I just can't imagine not um, marrying her. I can't imagine her uh, being with someone else. So it wasn't complete understanding. It's just like, you know what? Um, I don't quite know what this looks like. Um, and 20 years later, that's a very true statement. Um, but it's like, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm in here. It's funny. I can, you know, officiating at weddings is, is interesting stuff. Um, and uh, I can remember one time, particularly this one couple uh, officiating. They're married. Sweet couple. I mean, really, they just seem, you know, sweet to one another and, and very bright. They're both in the in a, two different PhD programs at, at Notre Dame. It was like, you know, sort of biophysics. It was something, you know, just 
kind of um, made my, you know, just thinking about it, made my English major brain blow up, you know, it's just, but anyway, they're both just, you know, very bright, um, very, very bright. But it was funny as I was up there, and I didn't say this, but I was up there, and as they were saying the vowels, I thought, you have no clue what you're saying here. You have, you're really smart people, um, and you're really sincere, but you have absolutely no idea um, what it is that, that you're saying. You have absolutely no idea what it is that you're committing to um, right now. In so many ways, discipleship doesn't mean um, that they've, they've got it all together um, or that they understand completely, but there's this commitment. Um, you know, and Peter says, you know, you are the Christ, um, uh, the Son of the living God. You remember in the ninth chapter, and then right after that, it shows that he doesn't get it. Because you remember right after that's when Jesus says, you know what, you're right. Um, you're right to say this. God has given you this, this insight, and the Son of Man must suffer many things and, and be rejected and be handed over and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And Peter, and of course, immediately begins to rebuke Jesus, saying, you know what, no, you're wrong, um, Jesus. So we see there's a discipleship uh, on Peter's part. We, we see that he was clearly he was in, and at the same time, um, we see that he didn't get it. Um, so discipleship is talking about... Um, being with and being in relationship and following him along the way, uh, but not necessarily um, understanding completely. And let me say this. One of the things that we see in this passage, and the whole, the, the distinctive themes, insiders and outsiders, um, discipleship, faith, those are among the um, distinctive themes in Mark's gospel, is that um, Bartimaeus is clearly an outsider. Uh, he's, he's a beggar along the side of the road. Uh, and, you know, um, it's hard to be much more of an outsider um, than that. I mean, obviously, he's a person um, that that has um, that that's completely dependent, um, has no way of, 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 of making a living other than other than begging. I mean, that's his, uh, and certainly um, he would have been um, he would have been marginalized. He would have been excluded. He's you know he's on the road crying out. He's he's an outsider, and of course, as he's crying out, people are telling him you know to sh- you know be be quiet. You're, you know, you're Bartimaeus the beggar. Um, don't, don't bother, um, don't bother Jesus. You know, the whole insider-outsider thing is clearly going on here, and yet we see um, the intense faith uh, on Bartimaeus's part that he would call out, um, that he would call out to Jesus. But also, this is kind of a little. Uh, I'm sure you're shocked. I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here. Um, toward the end of that passage, there, there's actually something in the Greek that's that's very significant. Um, demonstrating his faith. For starters, of course, we see, even though he's an outsider, um, he sees more clearly um, than actually the disciples, uh, than the disciples and Jesus' closest followers. See, he sees more clearly, and that he's persistent in calling out to Jesus, a recognition that, you know what, there's a power in Jesus to do something, um, and and I'm not going to be... um, I'm not going to be turned away by those telling me to be quiet. In fact, I'm going to cry out all the louder, Jesus, Son of David, you know, have have mercy on me. And let me tell you, something here that's a wonderful thing uh, is that there is um, there's a there's a desperation here, um, and and to some degree there's you know there's sort of there's there's um, there, there can be uh, there's there's good desperation and there's bad desperation, but this is a good. Um, this is a good desperation. This is a recognition uh, of need, a recognition of his inability to resolve his life um, on his own, and a, and a crying out, um, crying out to Jesus. There's a there's a saying, that, and it's uh, I think it's great. It's, it's been said that the kingdom of heaven is not for the well-meaning, 
but for the desperate. Um, the kingdom of heaven is not for the well-meaning, um, but for the desperate, for those basically with a recognition of that uh, of that need of, of, of calling out. And and we see in Bartimaeus' case, his desperation um, is, is a doorway to faith. Um, he, he calls out to Jesus um, as, as Jesus is walking along. And a couple of things are shown to us here, showing the character uh, and the nature of God. And one of the first things we see is um, is, is this. We hear that as, as Jesus um, is going by, as he's, as he's calling out to him, it, it tells us um, that Jesus, uh, and Jesus stopped. Um, and actually, uh, you know, again in the Greek, and it basically it's, and Jesus stood still. Um, you know, here's here's Jesus. Here's this man calling out to him, and Jesus um, stops. And Jesus Jesus stood still, um, turned himself um, toward uh, this individual. This this the cries of this poor and powerless person stopped Jesus in his tracks. Um, and, and he stopped, and of course he he, he called him, uh, he called him to himself, and um, it's it's a bit of a um, it doesn't give the full weight in the translation when it when it says, and the blind man said to him, Rabbi. Um, actually, the the word which is used in the Greek is Rabboni, uh, and and the significance of, of that is this: uh, Rabboni um, was basically. Um, the, the language which would be used when you're making an appeal in prayer to God, um, so it's you know it's, it's it's kind of rabbi is is teacher and it's certainly it's a, it's a, it's it would be addressing someone with respect it would be addressing someone you know giving them a certain uh, at least a belief and they'd have a certain insight a certain authority a certain understanding but it, but he actually um, he he calls him um, rabboni and again that that was the word which is used as an address to God in, in prayer. Um, and, it, and it suggests both Mark's estimation of Jesus, but also Bartimaeus's estimation of Jesus is much more than, than just a great healer, as uh, much more than just a wise um, teacher, than much more as just kind of a guy who's changing um, the, the, the social scene um, and, and structure. We, we see that he comes to him in a, in a humble um, trust. Um, and interesting as well, um, Jesus asked him, of course, what, what do you want me to do for you? Um, and, uh, and, and Bartimaeus, of course, says, you know, I want, I want, to, receive, I want to receive my sight. And I, and I want to read to you here because I thought this was so um, Im- important and insightful. Uh, and it's this. We hear that in humble trust, Bartimaeus asked not to be superhuman, um, but merely human. Um, for the well... Normalcy may seem the bare minimum, but for the ill and troubled, normalcy is God's greatest gift. Uh, and, I, and I thought that was a, a you know, a, a, a great insight. You know, for a lot of us, you know, we um, we take normalcy um, for, for for granted, um, and for the most part, wellness um, for granted. But we see for for Bartimaeus, that that's the goal. You know, it'd be amazing just to be normal. Um, it'd be amazing just to be able. Um, just to be able to see, uh, we, we see his him crying out, seeking um, the the bare minimum, uh, and Jesus declares to him, of course, go, your faith has healed you, and and the word um, for healed is actually sozo, uh, and and the significance of that is is this, uh, it's it's the same word for saved, uh, it's the same word um, as saved, so go, your faith has healed you, but but much more than that, go, your faith um, has saved you. Um, we hear, and, and an interesting thing as well, we, we see, you know, much more than just a, a, a physical healing. It's a, 
it's a spiritual healing which takes place for him as well. And, and I mentioned the whole idea of insiders and outsiders. I mentioned the whole thing about discipleship. I mentioned um, the theme um, about the journey. It's, it's interesting if you uh, pay attention to some of the details here. We see that Bartimaeus was on the roadside. Uh, he was an outsider calling out to Jesus. And now we hear that at the end of this little thing, now that he's following Jesus along the way. Um, so he's gone from outsider um, to insider. He's gone um, from ostracized to, to saved to restored. He's, he's entered into um, a discipleship here. He's following Jesus along the way um, to Jerusalem, not, not, having, um, not having all the answers, um, not knowing how necessarily it's all going to turn out, but, but following Jesus um, along the way. His, his, his desperation, uh, in many ways, was, was his greatest gift here. Um, I want to share with you a little story. I, I've got a buddy of mine, um, Peter, and um, I, I share his name with you because he, he tells all these stories himself. He's not the least bit secretive. He's, he's hilarious, and he's a wonderful, um, faithful guy. Really a guy I, I, I admire um, just for his... Excuse me, I, I worked outside yesterday, and so I've just been... Uh, I woke up this morning, it's like, uh, it was awful. Um, so anyway, sorry. Bear with me. Thank you. Um, I did my annual work in the yard yesterday, so I should be fine for another year. Um, but anyway, um, uh, uh, Peter and Amy, they, um, they uh, for 16 years, um, they, they tried to have kids. Um, uh, you know, six, 16 years, I mean, you can just, you know, imagine just all the, um, just how, how draining um, that was emotionally, spiritually, you know, just the, the ups and the downs, the hopings and the disappointments and the, and, and the struggles over, I mean, you know, again, 16 years. Um, and after 16 years, they had um, two sets of twins two years apart. So they'd gone from, you know, zero kids to, to four kids um, and talk about, you know, crying out in desperation, oh, Lord, what have we asked for? Um, you know, from zero to four, but they were grateful. Well, they were, they were moving. Uh, they were moving from Charleston back up to the uh, Shenandoah Valley, where, where he's originally from, and um, they're uh, wonderful, faithful people. They're they're disorganized, they're procrastinators, and and they're particularly his wife is is a dreamer. And one of the things she thought would be a great idea was for them to get this Airstream trailer, um, because you know I mean what what family of six doesn't need an Airstream trailer um, just to you know build all these wonderful family memories, you know, see the country, um, so. So envision, all right, so they're moving, and so they, you know, procrastinate, procrastinate, you know, basically, and they have to pull an all-nighter, just cramming their stuff um, uh, in, into the car, cramming their stuff into this Airstream trailer, um, you know, because, uh, I mean, hey, not only is it great for vacations, but it's fabulous extra storage um, as well when you're trying last minute. So they pulled this all-nighter, you know, hadn't, hadn't slept, and it's about 6 o'clock that morning, and they're, they're pulling out. So it's my buddy, his wife, um, their four kids, uh, and his mother-in-law, all in their suburban. I mean, this is dreamy, isn't it? I mean, don't you want to, it's like, like, remember Stripes? It's like, I want to party with you. Um, you know, it's like, I want to hang out. I want to hang out with you people. So they're in their suburban, this big old Airstream trailer uh, on the back of their, uh, on the back of their car, and they're, and they're moving. Um, they're, they're, they're heading out of town. If any of y'all have ever been to Charleston, um, there's really, it's not an easy way, and there's, there's 26. I mean, there's various sort of little roads you can kind of circuitously try and, but 26 is two lanes in, two lanes out, that's, you know, that's it. You know, sitting there on the coast, that's the way 
that's the way you get there, two in, two out. Um, so they're they're pulling out, and they're just they're delirious, and, and Amy is driving, and Peter's sitting in the back with with the two youngest um, with the two youngest kids, and as they're as they're driving out of town, the um, they're a little south, uh, they're a little north of Charleston, south of Orangeburg, and um, the uh, the trailer starts to swerve, um, and as as the trailer starts to swerve, anybody know what do you do when it starts to swerve? What are you supposed to do? Accelerate. This is this is your practical knowledge for today. So, and if you ever in your suburban towing an Airstream trailer, um, and actually, yeah, you know, not 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 frantically, but you're supposed to accelerate, and that actually, you know, because when you hit the brakes, it actually causes it um, to to swerve and to fishtail more. So, so it starts to swerve, and of course, her reaction um, is is to hit the brakes, and Peter's crying out for the back seat. You need to accelerate. You need to accelerate. Well, you know. Being a typical husband and wife, the more he tells her to speed up, the more she hits the brakes. Um, so, and, and it begins to swerve uh, more and more until the the trailer flips um, onto its side. And when it does, the whole torque and tension and momentum flips the car as well. So all of a sudden, um, there are the seven of them um, flipped over on their side, uh, the Suburban, the trailer, just boom. And... Talking to my buddy, he said, you know, first, so I was like, what, you know, what, what were you thinking? The first thing is like kind of in the movies, like how long till the car blows up? You know, I mean, is it like, you know, kind of in the movies, is it like five seconds? Is it ten seconds? You know, when does, when does the car blow up um, after you do this? And then, you know, the next anxiety is like, are people going to suddenly come plowing into us? And then we definitely, you know, then for sure in the movies, you know, it all, you know, it all blows up um, even bigger. Well, the car didn't blow up. Um, however... Um, they're, they're flipped over on the side. Thankfully, they're all buckled in, and they're all you know, just kind of hanging there um, in, in their, in their seatbelts. And, of course, glass is, has shattered uh, and, and gone everywhere. And, and Peter said, the next thing he knows, he said, he's, I'm just handing my children up out of the broken window to complete strangers. Um, like, I'll, I hope my kids will be okay. I don't know where they're going, just handing them up out of. And then uh, he's sitting uh, on the side of the road. Um, and... And you can only imagine what um, what the feeling would be like there as you're sitting on the on the side of the road, um, you and your family. Miraculously, the only thing was his wife had to get a couple stitches in her elbow. That was that was it. Um, as far as any injuries, you know, they are all a little probably a little sore um, after that. But she got a few stitches in her elbow, and that was and that was it. But um, not only that, but he said just the the whole. Um, in, embarrassment it's just like we have just caused a train wreck because of course traffic goes stopped for miles because you know the suburban the airstream they they block both lanes going out um so i mean you know just the whole it's just like you know it, it wasn't me um you know i think it was that guy over there just the whole all these uh, emotions of just oh uh, desperation and um dejection and embarrassment and you know he just he just he felt he said he just felt that's a because that's just the way they roll. Uh, that's a great. It's a great. It's a great question. Why was she driving? You know, I'll ask them. Uh, but one of the things for her, she um, um, she doesn't lack in confidence, even if there's not skill in a particular area. She's got it. Um, you know exactly. She may not be a great trailer driver, but you know what? She's sure she is. Um, and they're hilarious. Yeah, a, I'll ask them. Yeah, Peter, what were you thinking? Um, yeah, exactly. 
Well, he said as he's sitting there on the side of the road, <laughs> and just, you can imagine too, just like, oh my gosh, you know, what, thankful um, to God, and yet at the same time, what in the world are we going to do um, with, with this particular situation? I mean, what, are, what in the world are we going to do with this? And he, and he said, he said, Craig, um, he, he says, it was as if I heard audibly saying to me, Peter, um, you can't take care of yourself, um, but I can. And um, you know, very genuinely, that's what he—that's what he shared with me. You know, you can't take care of yourself, um, but but I but I can. And um, you know, one of the things again, one of the one of the, and I don't say this lightly. Um, it's hard to imagine the the, the difficulty of being Bartimaeus um, and, and how grueling um, those years would have been. But but ultimately, the the God working for good, um, even in bad situations for those for those who love Him. You know, the thing with Bartimaeus is his his desperation, his recognition that he could not take care of himself, actually um, brought him to saving faith. Um, actually brought him um, to the place um, where where we all need to be. It was it was in his desperation. It was in his um, need. It was in his crying out um, that. That he was drawn to Jesus. And another kind of a little interesting aside here, we hear that as Jesus um, stopped and, and, and called him, um, and they say, "Hey, take heart. He's get up. He's he's calling you." We hear that in throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Well, the uh, the people at the time, you know, basically you had your, your basically your pajamas, and you put on this outer cloak. So basically, what we hear is Bartimaeus ran to him in his pajamas. He's just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm throwing off my cloak. I got. I've, I've, I've had no hope, and now now my hope is here. He's stopped. He's, he's called me over um, to himself. I'm not really worried about what anybody thinks, what anybody's saying. I'm, 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 I'm coming to him, um, and, and in so doing, um, experienced uh, not just healing and restoration, but experienced salvation. Some other things to say, but let me just kind of pause there um, for a moment. Any, any sort of questions or comments? Um, Y'all have about any of that or any reflections you have? I, I will ask Peter why in the world Amy was driving. That's uh, make myself a note. I was uh, no, I thank you. It was interesting. I um, it was interesting. I worked um, with this uh, ministry called Happening for a number of years when I was in the diocese of South Carolina. It's, if any of y'all are familiar at all with Curcio, it's like Curcio, but it's for high schoolers. And it and the powerful thing about it is it's led by high schoolers for high schoolers. So a couple of clergy are along as spiritual advisors, and you have you know some adults as chaperones. But it's you know the kids give the talks and lead the groups and and so forth and so on. And it's and it's peer ministry, which is one of the things that's so very um, powerful about it. But it was interesting. Uh, again and again and again, it, it, it just was interesting to me. It was almost um, it was almost verbatim when kids would come on the retreat, and some of them would really experience a, a transforming relationship with God and, and would really, you know, just commit themselves to God and say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. You know what, Lord, I really believe, I really believe um, you're the one. And, and in that conversion experience, inevitably the, the kids would say to me, you know, I just feel like the weight of the world's lifted off me. And it was just kind of funny because, you know, of course, one thing, you know, um, is that 
course, where we are now, we look back and just think, those were the good old days, you know, high school, um, you know, boy, I'd love to go back and do it all, um, do it all over again. Of course, the rad is, of course, if we went back, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the insights we'd have now. We'd probably do it just the same. But anyway, you know, you just look at it now and just think, oh, that, that's, that's fabulous. But the reality is, of course, for high school kids, they've got a lot of burden. Um, they're carrying a lot of weight. There's, you know, you just remember back to the way you felt during those days, you know. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was big stuff. So anyway, but it was just, it's interesting to me, that kind of um, just feeling like the burdens, the way of the world, trying to do it oneself, trying to measure up, trying to get yourself right, trying to... Um, address your hopes on your own, trying to, you know, make it work. Just the burden of that and just the wonderful release of. But as I say, just interesting. I mean, that was, again and again, the kids, that was that was what they say. I felt like the weight of the world's been lifted off of me. Um, you know, and you just think, yeah, you're 16. What weight are you carrying, you know? But, uh, but the reality is, yeah, they are. Thank you. Any, anything else? Let me share with you just a couple. We'll go just a couple of more minutes, uh, and and then we go um, a couple of things about where this takes place in in Mark's gospel and the significance of it. Um, a couple of things. One, this is this is the final this is the final healing before Jesus enters Jerusalem. Uh, in eleven, we hear that Jesus goes into the goes into the temple and and. And, and, and surveys not as a not as a tourist, um, but at, but at, but as the Lord, uh, as the fulfillment uh, of of the temple. Uh, and of course, we hear there's the various um, the various judgments uh, upon the temple uh, and 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 what it is what it is turned into. This is the last healing um, which which takes place. And we begin Jesus begins that public ministry um, with the healing. We we had this healing here. One another um, theme of Mark's, and this is just kind of a, to some of you kind of a little aside. One of the things that's kind of funny, particularly Mark's gospel for us, is the command to silence. Um, and if y'all ever noticed in Mark's gospel, Jesus will heal someone or do something, and he'll tell them not to tell anyone. And th- and that that always seems to be a counter purposes um, for what for what he's come to do. And it's certainly different than what your Sunday school teachers told you, because um, you know what you're supposed to go. You're supposed to go share. You're supposed to go and, and, and tell folks. There's there's a few different reasons behind Jesus's command to silence. Um, one is um, the desire that um, there would not be unrealistic expectations of, of who he was and 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 what he came to accomplish and how he came to accomplishment. When he when he commands the demons to tell no one, well, he commands the demons because like you know what, you're not the ones to share the message. Um, so. Um, but even those, you know, that are following him, and at least initially, he tells them um, not to tell anyone because of who he really is. He's he's more than just a healer. Uh, he's more than just a great teacher. Um, he's more than just uh, a miracle worker. And for people um, to think that it was simply that, they they miss out on the ultimate reality of who he is. And not only do they miss out on the ultimate reality, but the ultimate good news that he brings to you and to me as well. Um, that ultimate, what Bartimaeus experienced, an actual um, salvation. But then finally, the reason behind that is this, that they cannot really understand who he is uh, and what he's accomplished till they understand him through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. Um, they and, and just any of us, if it were you or me or anybody, the reality was it was just... 
<coughs> despite what he told them again and again and again, and actually this follows the third time which Jesus says what must happen. The Son of Man must be betrayed, be handed over, rejected, crucified, and on the third day um, rise again. But he tells them at this point not to tell anyone because they cannot begin to understand until they understand them through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. One of the things we see also in this particular passage is, is this. Um, the warmth and the interest um, in, in the person um, who was healed. This is actually in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is the only time uh, the person healed is mentioned by name. Kind of interesting. This, the, this is the only time we see, um, we see the person um, mentioned by name. And this is, in essence, the, the climax of, of Mark's teaching on faith um, and discipleship. And, of course, the irony that the blind man sees more clearly um, than, than Jesus' closest followers, uh, at, at least initially. Um, this man that was marginalized goes from an outsider um, to, um, to an insider. Jesus, God's uh, anointed one, has, has come. Uh, that God has raised up, as he promised, um, one to, to deliver. Uh, and, uh, and, and Bartimaeus comes to him and finds, um, through faith, um, through, the, through the compassion uh, of Jesus, through his, um, through, his, through his warmth, through his interest, um, uh, a salvation made available. And then, and then the call, um, the transformation from, from, from beggar, um, to disciple in that call um, to follow Jesus in faith. And as I say, for, for you and for me as well, um, discipleship definitely means following Jesus. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. Uh, it, it. It means concretely following him along the way, uh, along the way um, toward the cross. Uh, the good news for you and for me is um, it doesn't mean perfect understanding. Um, but it means it means service. It means devotion. Um, it, it means being in relationship and in proximity with Him. And, and in doing that, it's His power that works through us, rather than you and me finally, you know what, getting it right. It's a matter of proximity to Him, relationship with Him, and then His power working through us. Uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've gathered us. Thank you that you've sought us. By the work of your Holy Spirit, draw us to you, we pray, that we might find our hope and strength in you, that like Bartimaeus, um, we might know your, your personal attention and concern for us. Pray, Lord, that you draw us to you, and that in you uh, we would find our fullness, our hope, our assurance, and our salvation. We ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.